On today's show, how can you possibly hire other freelancers to help grow your business when it's hard to know if you can trust them? After all, if someone you hire misses a deadline, you are on the hook with your client. That's where Tina finds herself on today's call. She's thinking about hiring and she's willing to trust the creative process from other freelancers, but what about their ability to deliver on time? Can she overcome that trust issue somehow? We tackle that question and lots more on today's episode of Freelance to Founder. Here we go. I'm Preston. And I'm Clay. And this is Freelance to Founder. Clay and I have both been there, barely making ends meet as a freelancer, knowing there has to be more. But since then, we've each built multiple six or seven figure businesses. And now it's your turn. On this show, we're changing the lives of everyday freelancers just like you. Discovering this podcast a few months ago really like changed the trajectory of my journey. I'm not sure I would even be thinking about pushing this forward as much as I am if it weren't for YouTube. This has been really helpful and I, I think a good mindset shift for me. Really, really valuable stuff. I've made a ton of notes and I plan to put this stuff into action immediately. Discovering that I'm a founder instead of a freelancer has been amazing for me. If you're ready to push past hourly rates and build a business that sets you free, then you've got to join us. You can call in yourself by visiting freelance2founder.com. We can't wait to chat with you. We'll be back with today's caller after this. When you wake up in the morning and check your phone, does it feel like this or like this? Because with Shopify, your morning can feel like this way more often. That's the sound of a sale being made on your new Shopify store. And while client payments may require weeks or months of work, you can start generating a semi-passive income to grow your business by setting up a Shopify store all of your own. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your latest designs on shirts or bags or adding something totally different to your business, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. You can sell online, you can sell in person, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. With Shopify, you can set up your store in minutes and start selling immediately. And Shopify's award-winning support is there to help you as you go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash freelance. That's all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash freelance to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash freelance or click the link in our show description and start waking up to this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee with Milo.co and joining me on the air today is my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey Clay. Hello, hello. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. I'm, uh, I'm excited for 2024 podcasting season. That's right. We are just getting started with 2024. By the time this airs, we'll be a few weeks into it, but it just feels good to be back chatting with you. I missed you, <laughs> and uh, and it's just fun. How's uh, do you have snow down in Texas these days? 
Uh, no, I'm, it's like 70 degrees. Oh my gosh. I'm so jealous of you. We got like nine inches of snow yesterday, randomly out of nowhere. Like I, I pulled out of my (laughs) garage to go to church and didn't even really know it had snowed. And all of a sudden I'm driving through like nine inches of snow. It was nuts. It was nuts. I want, Um, I want more of that. I want that. (laughs) Well, we got plenty of it. Come on up. We got a guest room you can stay in and plenty of snow. So uh, also joining us today, probably knows a little bit more about snow is my guest is Tina. Hi, Tina. Hi. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Calling in from Minnesota, right? Yes, Minnesota. Yeah. Snow up there? Hardly. It's very rare. Everybody's scratching their heads wondering where it is. Yeah. Because usually you have a bunch, right? Yep. Yeah, the people are waiting to get on the ice to do all kinds of things, and it's yeah. not happening. Yeah, well, global warming and all that, whether you believe mm-hmm. it or not, I don't know. But for some reason, we, we've had a fairly dry season, too. Anyway, uh, that's pretty boring, so we're going to move on. Tina, why don't you tell us a <laughs> little bit about, and that was my fault, it's boring, not your fault, Tina. Tina, tell us about your business. Save me from this awful uh, segment <laughs> I'm doing here. I was going to let you keep going. Please <laughs> <laughs> just going to let me suffer, but Tina, why don't you save me? Tell me? Tell us a little bit about your business, uh, what you're working on, the services you provide, how long you've been in business. Just kind of paint a picture for us. Sure. Um, so I have been working independently as a graphic designer and a food and product photographer for eight years. And prior to that, um, I actually did the math before this call because, wow, I've actually been doing this for longer than I realized. Um, I've been doing this for 17 years and I started working for natural meat companies 17 years ago. I worked for them for quite a few years and then went out on my own eight years ago. And since going on my own, um, I, I did that when I had two young children. So I have, by design, intentionally kept my business small. And it's worked really, really well because I love what I do. And I can make some decent income on my own schedule from my own home. And yet I've been holding this tension for eight years, like, when am I going to grow? And how am I going to do it? And I spend Mm. so much time thinking about it and wondering about it. And then recently, I had this realization, because I have so many dreams that are on hold on a shelf, like, just building up for the one day when I finally decide that it's time. And the reason it's not time yet is because the way that I choose to educate my children, I homeschool them. Mm. Um, and one day that may change or one day they may get older where I'm just less involved in a day to day. Guaranteed they'll get older. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I've just been holding this question honestly for eight years because I love what I do. I love my job. It fills me up. I would actually do it and get paid nothing. So it's a really nice bonus that I make a nice income doing what I love. Um, and then anyway, a couple months ago, I was listening to the podcast and I thought, here I am having this idea in my mind that someday I'm going to try to get a coaching call <laughs> with Preston and Clay. And then it dawned on me, they might change their minds one day. They might, you know, have a career switch and decide their podcast <laughs> over. What am I waiting for? <laughs> so I just, I really want to pick your brains because I don't know if it's going to be in three months or six months or two years, but I really have a lot of confusion about how to grow 
because I, I definitely, I work in a silo. I, I am not, I am not an agency at all. It's just me. I've been quietly doing my thing for eight years and loving it, but it doesn't ever change. It's just the same thing for eight mm. years. I love how you've put it though. Like we talked to so many people who are like, oh, I've been, you know, working a day job for, and I was this, right? I've been working a day job for eight years doing stuff on the side, thinking like one day, one day I'm going to, you know, some magic, something's going to happen or, or I'm going to build up the nerve or whatever. One day, mm -hmm. one day, one day. And I did that for so many years. And I love that you're bringing up this point, which I think a lot of freelancers face, which is like, things are good. Things are good enough. Right. And, uh, but there's something maybe in the back of your mind, something deep down going like, oh, could there be more? Could there be more to running my own business? Would I have more fun or make more money or whatever and still mm -hmm. be able to maybe have the lifestyle with my family that I want, homeschool my kids, whatever that your priorities are. And so I love that you brought that up because I think that happens to all of us in one way or another. We get people coming on the show all the time and here's what they say. I know you guys preach the importance of hiring, but where do I even start in order to hire the right person? Well, here's your answer. Start with LinkedIn Jobs. I've used LinkedIn to hire members of my team, and here's why you should too. First of all, it's super fast. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Imagine this time tomorrow, you could be interviewing your next team member. Plus, LinkedIn isn't just a job board, it helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Over 70% of active LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not hiring on LinkedIn, you're really missing out. My favorite part, posting a job on LinkedIn is completely free. Like I said, I've done it myself and it took like 10 minutes. It didn't cost me a thing. And suddenly I had tons of qualified applicants to pick from. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I just, the limbo is odd. I never thought, well, in so many ways, life is not what we you know, think is when we get to the next season, but I've been holding this question for so long and I'm like, I don't want to wait another eight years. I don't even know if I want to wait another year. I, I want to find out and I really want to test the waters with what is it even like to hire somebody? I might decide I hate it, but I don't like not knowing. I would, I really want to try it. And it's, I hear you guys talk a lot about hiring people. Should I hire people? Because some people choose not to, some people choose to mm -hmm. just stay independent. But um, I guess in my mind, I can't even picture how to do that logistically and how to do that in a way that's not really high risk. Because I guess I feel like one of the, I'm not a designer that thinks, um, I don't hold a belief that there's not another designer that can do good work. I, I am well aware there are plenty of designers that do work a lot, like even stronger than my work. I just have this fear of them not delivering and also delivering maybe on time. So mm. then what do I do to communicate to my client? Mm. Because I have a really good track record of knowing what I can get done when and when I can get it done. And so I think that's my big fear. I know that there's capable designers and I think my fear 
is that they won't deliver on time. And then what do I do? I kind of back myself into a corner. Yeah. That, okay. That's a tough one. And I love that you bring that up. I think this is something we don't talk a lot about when we talk about hiring and that is, and Clay and I have faced this ourselves, right? And that's that mm-hmm. you hire someone and they don't deliver or they deliver late or they, or their quality is way lower than what you thought it was going to be. And, and that is a real challenge. Um, and, and just to, just to bring everyone up to speed quickly too, you know, you put in your survey as you, as you prepared for the show. And if you want to come on the show, if you're worried that Clay and I are going to stop podcasting next month, uh, <laughs> also, which we're not, but we would love to have you as soon as possible. I love that Tina, you just were like, you know, what? I'm just going to do it. And, and we'd love to have you listener on the show as well. You just visit freelance to founder.com and you scroll to the bottom of the page. You fill out a quick questionnaire. On that questionnaire, a question, one of the questions is, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a freelancer, 10 being a founder, where would you put yourself? And where do you want to be, right? And, and you put that you're currently at a 2, you'd like to be at a 4. And, and to me, yeah, one of the big differentiators between a 2 and a 4 is you've hired someone, even if it's just a contractor, right? It doesn't have to be a full-time employee. And so I love that you've brought up this concern, which is like, how do I know I can rely on somebody? And we've talked about, like you said on the show you know, to think that you're, you're the only designer that can do well at design is, is sort of (laughs) ridiculous in a way. Right. Um, and so I'm glad that's not the issue. The issue is how do I know someone's going to deliver? And if they don't, what do I do to maintain a good client relationship? So I have some ideas, Mm -hmm. but Clay, is anything bouncing around in your mind as you hear some of the concerns that Tina's bringing up? Yeah. Um, so I can tell you right now, hiring your first person is the most, is, the most um, nerve wracking thing. Uh, the first hire is always the, the yeah. That first one's tough. Yeah, it's it's, it's the toughest one. It it gets way easier after that, uh, but the very first one is tough because I remember I remember the first time I hired somebody, and I was in a financially I was in a position where that first person was getting paid more than me. You know, and that's just, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that's just the reality of startup. You know, it's just like you, you put your money back into, I'm not saying this is going to be true for you, Tina. Um, but I, my point is, is I was super, super nervous about it. Uh, I'm going to kind of burst your bubble here a little bit. You don't, the question is, how do you know they're going to be able to deliver? You really don't know until you actually hire them. <laughs> now, now, I will say this. Hoping for <laughs> yeah, I will say this though, because I have, I've had, I've hired a many people, um, both as W two employees um, and as contractors. Like probably at least total hires, probably at least four dozen in in the last eight years. There are things that you could put in place to minimize the impact it will have on your business to at least try them out. So to answer your question, you're not going to know until you put them to the test, but you can run them through, I don't know, basically a gauntlet, basically um, what I call it to, to see if they're going to fit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's, I, I am a firm believer that it's not okay to get free work during the application process, but Same. I think there is opportunity where you could pay someone on a one-off project, right? So like, let's say you have a project, Tina, that has plenty of runway. 
maybe, maybe the next time a client comes to you and says, I want this and this done, you bid it out, but you give them a timeline that's maybe twice as long as you would normally take. And then you find a contractor that you hired just for that project, right? It's not a long-term arrangement. It's not permanent. There's very low risk and you hire them for this one project. And maybe you find them through a marketplace or through your network or something like that, right? And you just hire them one off. And you may even give them the bulk of the payment of that one project just to just to expedite the whole process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then you give them a deadline and then you see how they respond. And, and because you've given yourself a really long timeline on this singular project, then worst case scenario, if they don't deliver on time, you, you know, you can either take a late project from them and still deliver to your client on time, or you could step in and just do the project. Yes, mm-hmm. it might be a pain, but that would be, again, worst case scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, you know, middle case scenario, they're like a few days late or something. And then perfect case scenario, they deliver on time. And so I think you can start really small. Sometimes we think we use the word hiring and it's like, well, I got to find someone who's going to be permanently on my team. Almost everyone that I've hired on my team, I started with like a one-off project first. Um, Well, that's not true now, but I would say early on I did. And it was like, can you write an article for the website or can you Um, you know, can you design this thing or can you develop this plan or can you come up with ideas for X, Y, Z? And I just paid them for one project. And and then I got an idea of how they actually work, how they communicate, when they deliver, all of those questions you have that are a black box right now, they all become very, very clear in working with that person on a one-off project. And then if that goes well, and you can even say to them upfront, if this goes well, I have, you know, I would love to figure out a long-term thing but I want to make sure it works out well for both of us um, before we commit to something, yeah, you know, more in depth. about that. Yeah. That makes sense. Thank you. So it sounds like I'm just really need to build in buffers for the, just in case they don't deliver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's, a, that, that can be helpful in the beginning and then you'll start to get a feel for like, and it will, because it will also take longer naturally because there's extra communication happening, mm-hmm. right? So you do want to build in a, a safety net so that you're not over-promising to your clients and then under-delivering mm-hmm. by missing deadlines. Mm-hmm. But you want to do that anyway, even if you were doing it on your own, you know? Right. Yeah. I think I, I do that to, to a point, but I do... Um, I don't know. Somehow it always just seems to work out. I I do have some pretty tight deadlines and big promises to my clients with a little bit of buffer, but I would probably have to Mm -hmm. double or triple it if I, if I were delegating, even when you think about the time that it takes to delegate and communicate. Mm -hmm. What's your typical project? So I, I forgot to mention, um, I only work for natural food brands. So Mm -hmm. I live in a very niche market, which I love. Um, so my projects could be anywhere from a new logo or brand identity, which to be honest, that doesn't happen very often because I only have a few clients. So I more regularly build things like food labels, packages, brochures, Okay. Um, let's, I, take, let's take a let's take a food label. Um, how long does its food label project take? Um, it could take On anywhere average. from ten minutes to many hours. Honestly, I. But yeah, from the from, time from, from, a, from the time from a calendar a calendar yeah. timeline. 
Like from the time a client agrees to to do the project until you deliver it, is that a week, a couple okay. days? So I I'm, I know you guys probably want an easy answer on this, but I really <laughs> I only have a few clients, and I almost just kind of merge myself into as a member of their team. And when I first start working with them, when I first start working with a client, I send them project estimates, and then I move away from that after they trust me. And I just charge them everything they send me. I tell them when I think I'll be able to get it done. And then I charge by the hour. Okay. So, so literally they might, they could send me a project that takes me 10 minutes or they could send me a project that takes 40 hours. Let's let me, let me build a hypothetical situation. Okay. All right. I'm a client that I already trust you. Okay. Um, and I said, I need a label for this food product. Here's my money. Boom. I paid you. How long will it take? I'm asking as a, as a client in this hypothetical situation. Yeah. So let's say when, how long, how long will it be? What's the delivery time? So I would tell them it's going to take me two weeks, two weeks. Okay. Um, so if you were to hire somebody, to help you with this. Um, I don't know. And this is just like, I'm just going off and maybe Preston can, can chime in here, but I'm just basing this off of my experience with, with hiring someone and, and working with them. I don't think it's going to double or triple your time. I, I, I agree really with that. don't. Yeah. I think it's going to maybe I would add in 20, 25% more in my opinion. So okay. instead of two weeks, maybe you could maybe make it like two and a half weeks. Okay. I agree. And I think if you're really, really worried about a freelancer delivering, you know, I, I referenced what we talk about sometimes on the show and you, I think you referenced it as well, Tina. And that is like to, to think that you're the only person that can do that work is is just, it doesn't make any sense, right? There's mm -hmm. so many talented people. Um, and, and so you recognize that. I think it's also important to recognize there are so many people who can deliver good quality projects on time and they do, and they make a living doing that just like you do. Right. Mm -hmm. I think um, it maybe doesn't seem real to me because I've never done it. <laughs> mm, let me tell you, yeah. let me tell you, yeah. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Um, you will, you will find some people most, as you hire people, I, I just want to set expectations. They will do, most of them will do about 80% as good as you will. Yeah, that's right. A good a good one. So I want to set that expectation with you because if you're expecting 100% as good as you, it's rare. They don't care that as much rare. as you. They don't it's care. Not, yeah. It's not their business, right? Yeah. They will do about 70, 80% as good as you. Mm -hmm. Um. You will though, as you get into this and you and you like you keep growing, you need more people. What will happen is you will find somebody who's better than you, mm -hmm. which is awesome, right? and doesn't want to be running a business. They just want to be doing yeah. design, yep. and so then they're willing yeah. to work for somebody else. Uh huh. But I'm just gonna tell you. I, I just wanted to give you that expectation that most of them they're gonna do seventy to seventy to eighty percent. As mm -hmm. good as you. Mm -hmm. 
The, the other thing I would add too is like during the interview process, as you're vetting people, it is perfectly acceptable for you to say, I have a zero tolerance policy on late projects. Is How do you feel about that, right? <laughs> like like if, if you turn something in late, we're not going to be able to work together on another project. That'll be the end of it. So, I mean, that's a very hard line in the sand, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's that important to you, it's okay to bring that up. Mm-hmm. And and you might in real life be more lenient, right? But mm-hmm. But getting their reaction to something like that is important. If they say, oh, no problem. I feel the same way. I hate it when things are late and I'm always on time and I, my clients love that I deliver early and da-da-da-da-da-da, right? Yeah. Then yes, it could be lip service, right? They could be making it up. But um, but I think you can at least get a sense of how they respond to something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, thank you for that. That makes sense. And it's interesting. I'm thinking about this building in a buffer to minimize the risk of hiring somebody but it feels like ideally if you find the right person, if anything, it should go faster. It should go faster. Right. Because there's yeah. one of me. <laughs> yeah. Like- it should go faster. Um, but at the beginning, when you're trying to find the right person, I think it's good to build yeah. about 20% more. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, you could go through one, two, three, five people before you find someone that's like mm-hmm. the right fit. Okay. Yeah, I think for me that buffer idea was more like on this example of find a one-off project, find a one-off freelancer, give it a test ride. Um, Because you're also going to learn things about yourself, Tina, about how you manage, how you communicate, things you didn't know about that process, things you weren't expecting about that process, right? You find someone in a different different time zone and all of a sudden you realize like communication is not as instantaneous, right? I have someone on my team who works in Pakistan and he does a great job. But there are sometimes when I'm like, I need this thing urgently, and it's like, oh, he, it's two two a.m. right now. I'm not gonna wake him up to solve this problem, right? So, um, you know, th- there's gonna be things that come up, and so I think particularly on that first run, you want to build in. I'd build in a little bit more than twenty or twenty five percent on that first one just to learn how things work, and then as you get better at it, you can kind of bring that buffer down. And then at some point, like you said, you may not need a buffer anymore, right? It might actually happen more quickly. Hmm. So I have another question. Is this a good time for it? Yes, let's do it. Okay. I also hear you talk on the show about not apologizing to your clients that you have a team and that you're no longer just an independent. And I understand that. And I would definitely over time want to communicate to my clients that I am in fact working with other people. And I do already have it written into my contracts with my clients. Like they've signed on the dotted line about that. I might hire somebody, but they all know that I really haven't. And so I'm curious if you have an opinion on when I hire somebody, say it's a subcontractor and I'm just testing the waters with them. Do you feel like it would be a good idea to actually wait to tell my clients, like wait until I'm not just testing the waters and I feel like this is really working and now I really am going to do this and then communicate to them that... I would wait. I would okay. wait. Well, the, okay, so whenever I say I would wait, I whenever you are you are trying somebody out, I consider it as a trial period. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not actually someone who you're going... At least at that point, not they're not someone who you are going to use on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Now, you can... From your client's perspective, you are working on it, right? 
But from your perspective internally behind the scenes, you're working with this other person. I, and I don't think, I personally don't think that's unethical because you're still managing the project. Yes. Um, but if you get to the point where like you've gone through this trial period with this person, okay, you've gone through two, three, four other projects with this person there. Okay. Now it's pretty solid that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to keep working with this person at that point. I would, you know, you could do an introduction to your clients and say, Hey, welcome. Uh, let's welcome, you know, so, so-and-so to the team. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I would do. Okay. I think it feels odd to me because some of my clients I have been working with for like 15 years. And so I get the whole thing about, it could be a really great thing. It could even work out better for them if I have somebody else on my side. It just feels odd to me to be working behind the scenes to not just be one person. And then I don't know, cause it's not just a, they're not just a business client, you know, I've known them for 15 years and mm-hmm. I'm yeah. also in a position where I like to be, which is I have a few clients and that's where I want to be. And I, it's really lovely because I love all my clients and I've had p- other people reach out to me and ask for work and I just get to say no and not feel bad about it. So mm-hmm. I really, really love in, that I get to choose my clients because. <clears throat> well, let's, let's talk about why, why does it feel odd to you? Um, I guess it feels a little disingenuous, like because I am a pretty open book just in general about my about myself and the way I do business. And I don't know, it just feels odd. I, I, I don't know if I can put words to it. Do you feel like you're being deceptive? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day though, is it your name that you put, you're putting your stamp of approval on it? Yes. Like I would. Yeah. Especially in the beginning, as I'm building trust with somebody, they really, this other person really would be behind the scenes And I wouldn't, at least in the beginning, for sure, I would, you know, all the communication and all the deliverables would be through from me to the client. So I guess it shouldn't matter. So when you say when you say it feels odd, are you talking about like whenever, like at the beginning while they're on a trial period? Or are you talking about once they become like, quote unquote, part of your team, and now they're working with this client that's that you've had for 15 years instead of you? I think both, but more so the first one. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, you know, at the end, I think it's just new. I think yeah. that's quite honestly, I think yeah. that's what it is. This is a very, very normal thing, by the way. Okay. Absolutely. It's a very normal thing. Um, Absolutely. And I think in the first situation where someone's in a trial period and, and you know, you're, they're, you're working behind the scenes with this contractor, at the end of the day, you are putting the stamp of approval on it. You are still delivering it to your client. It's not this other person. It's you. Mm-hmm. So so I, I think that that's okay. In the other situation where let's just say, okay, this person's working out. I'm now going to let this contractor manage, uh, not manage, but do client communication directly with this client that you've had for 15 years. 
I can see where that could be. That to me is a way bigger step. Yes, that's yeah. a um, much bigger step. And I think, I think if you have a client who's been working with you for fifteen years, they're they're friends with you at this point, right? Yeah. yeah I think if they're I think if they're true friends, they're gonna be happy for you that you're growing. Mm-hmm. And. And really, at the end of the day, they need they need the deliverable, the value that you've been delivering all this time, right? And and yes, I'm sure they value your friendship and um, and everything else that comes with working with you. But at the end of the day, like they they the only reason this would go wrong is if you have someone else working with them and they're not delivering the same quality yeah. of project that you deliver, right? Right. And. And so then it becomes like your job becomes quality control, both in the communication and in the project itself. Mm-hmm. And you have to oversee that. And and I would I would make that clear with your client, particularly if you're deci- if you're trying to decide like these people who I've worked exclusively with for 15 years and it's just been me. I think I would say if if I were in your shoes, I would say to them privately, whenever you feel like it's right to introduce them to this news person, right? I would also say to them privately, in, in addition to a an introduction where the other person's involved, I would then say, and also, I want you to know how important our relationship is. I have loved working with you. I'm going to be very, very involved in your projects, but you may communicate a little more with this person. If you ever have any issue or concern or question mm. or anything or feel like you're not getting a response or if you just anything, please come to me. I'm 100% available. Um, you can still reach me as you always have, um, but I'm just trying to, you know, get your projects done a little more quickly or bring a little more mm-hmm. extra creative flair or, or mm-hmm. something like that, right? Like you really end on a positive, but let them know that you're there 100% for them still. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you ever hear of people growing a business in a way, like hypothetically speaking, in a year from now, say I'm no longer homeschooling my children and I suddenly had <clears throat> a lot more time and then... I went and found more work and what would you think about me kind of continuing my business as is with the clients that I loved and, you know, used to be employed by some of them and now they're a client of mine. And then if I took on new clients and kind of treated them differently, like they are the clients that are working with a team more than just myself. I think there's nothing wrong with that as long as you just understand where your time is going to be spent, right? Yeah. Like how, how much time am I going to have to continue to dedicate to my my clients that I want to just work one-on-one with? I think there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's your prerogative as a business owner to say like, these are the clients and projects I want and then everyone else can have these other ones that are going to help pay the bills but that I, but I'm not super passionate about or I don't have a long history with or whatever. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. And I mm-hmm. think actually that could be a good segue or a good sort of bridge between where you are now and where you want to be because at some point then your current clients who you're worried about that we've been talking about maybe they get wind from another uh client that you have this team, right? And they're mm-hmm. like, whoa, hold on. You have, you have, you know, more resources we could tap into or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I've got, I've got a writer and a, whatever, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and um, we'd love to help you with these projects or you bring it up yourself. And you're like, Hey, just so you know, over the last year, I've added uh, uh, this person and this person to the team, which means we can now offer these services. If there's something we can help you with, we'd love to do that, you know? And it, and mm-hmm. it just, yeah, I think it, it provides opportunity to, to 
bridge that gap a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure why I didn't think of that before, but I'm glad we're getting on this call because that really does make a lot of sense to me. <clears throat> well, good, good, great. Yeah, I think you know hiring it is a hard one, uh, and it, but it, a lot of it is in our head, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about most businesses, most businesses have people working in the business. And as Mm -hmm. the business changes and grows, it needs more people and different people. And people are used to that, right? Mm -hmm. That's just how it works. Mm -hmm. And, but we get so caught up in our own head of like, Oh, are they going to be mad? Are they going to feel ignored? Are they going to, well, put put things into place so that they don't feel ignored, Mm -hmm. give them plenty of notice. So they don't get mad and surprised by it and, and, Mm -hmm. and confused by it. Right. All of these things like paint out worst case scenarios and say, how am I going to handle this ahead of time? So this worst case scenario doesn't happen, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Hey, one thing um, we haven't we haven't mentioned yet is is uh, one thing to kind of like test the waters with someone is maybe you just give them a small part of a project instead of a whole project. Yeah, you know, maybe it's something that's, um, you know, maybe it's just something that's like. Uh, I don't, I don't even know. I'm not as familiar with maybe, maybe Preston, Preston's graphic design, but you know, maybe there's like more like the setup or whatever with graphic design that somebody can, can do. And then you take over, you know what I mean? The main part. Oh, I love that idea. Or you could even say like, I've, I feel like I've gotten this, you know, you mentioned package design earlier. I feel like I've gotten this package design, maybe like 75% of the way there. Can you take a look at it and just, well, you know, what would you change or tweak? Maybe you can get it the rest of the way there and just mm-hmm. see how they're able to complement your ideas, right? I think if you don't if you don't want to be stepping away entirely from that creative process, which I'm, I'm gathering you don't want to, um, I think it's important to see how you can work together, right? Mm-hmm. And it might be that the people you hire just help you. Maybe you still work on all the projects, but maybe they cut down your your time that you spend individually on them by, you know, 50% or something by them Maybe you do like general concept, you get it close, and then you send them a PSD file and they finish it out or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. And that just allows you to to do more projects in the same amount of time. I think mm-hmm. there's lots of options there. I like that. I like that way of thinking about it, Clay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I kind of feel like I'm so deep in thought over what you're saying. I'm not sure what <laughs> I have here. You know, you know, on that, just one more note on that. You could hi- you could hire someone who is not even a graphic designer because I'm sure you have a lot of administrative type work that you have, you have to do. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I think it was Preston, you that said that you assumed that I would want to be kind of in the, in the lead and very Mm -hmm. involved, especially with new projects and things. And a part of me kind of wants to even test the waters with stepping away from that because, or even maybe collaborating with Mm. somebody because I get the thing about I could just spend time and money, mo- money, mostly money to outsource some administrative things, <clears throat> which when I do grow my business, I that seems like a no brainer that I will do. But I actually kind of sometimes I just want to collaborate with designers too. like I've been working in a silo for so long. Um, I yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm more fearful that somebody's not going to deliver the right quality on 
time then I am actually releasing some pretty sizable projects mm. to somebody to mm-hmm. just see what that feels like to see it. Yeah. Well, I love that you're thinking about it that way. And I would just remind you again, then that there are plenty of designers who deliver on time, deliver early. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think it may take a minute to find one who works on your, on your best timetable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's there's lots of reliable freelancers out there. Talented, reliable freelancers. I know. It should be the most obvious thing. And for whatever reason, I'm like stuck on the side of this giant wall. There's all these capable designers on the other side of it. And, and the only way to overcome that is to have, an, have a positive experience, right? Mm-hmm. They say experiences create mm-hmm. beliefs. You've somewhere along the line, you've had an experience or more, more than one maybe where, where someone hasn't delivered. Right. And so yeah. you built up this belief in your mind. And so you need to have some positive experiences. You need to find some freelancers who give you a positive experience in terms of deadline. And that'll start to, to change and, mm-hmm. and you'll start to go, huh? Okay. People can deliver on time. I can trust them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I hope in six months or 12 months, whenever I decide to give it a go, I hope I can just get back on the on a call and say, I did it and it worked well and best thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hope so too. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you today. Um, I, this has been fun for me. We've talked about some things we've never talked about on the show before. So thank you, Tina, for, for having the courage to come on the show and and let everyone hear what you're up to. If you would like to join us, we'd love to have you listener. Uh, please visit freelance to founder, Dot com and then just scroll to the bottom of the page, sign up for a time, and we'd chat about your business. Tina, before you go, will you let everybody know where they can connect with you uh, in case they want to work with you? Absolutely. So I am on LinkedIn. Um, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know my exact uh, URL to get there, but my website is tinaziegel.com. That's T-I-N-A-Z-E-G-E-L.com. And from there, you can find me on LinkedIn also. I love it. Tina, thank you so much. I've been Preston from Milo.co and of course, Clay from GetDripify.com. Thanks for joining us today, Clay. We'll talk to you guys next time. See ya. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance to Founder, a collaboration between Milo, Dripify, and the Poglomerate. You can find links to my business, Milo, Clay's business, Dripify, and of course, our podcasting partner, The Podglomerate, all in the description of this episode. Remember to call in for your own episode at freelancetofounder.com. A very special thank you to the members of the Milo and Podglomerate teams who work behind the scenes to make this production possible. To stream past episodes, visit freelancetofounder.com or search Freelance to Founder wherever you get your podcasts. And that's it for now. Until next time, see ya. We will see you guys on the next episode of Freelance to Founder. Thank you.